Welcome to Hope Talks, Stories of Transformation. Hope Talks is a project of David's United Church of Christ in Canal Winchester, Ohio, and dedicated to providing stories with different perspectives of hope. Hi, I'm Erica Jackson, communication and behavior change expert, curious listener and coach. And hello, I'm Jill Dunlevy. I have worked many years in the legal field and am a lover of listening to people's life journeys and experiences. I'm excited about ways this podcast shines light on the best of humanity. And we're both members of David's United Church of Christ, where our mission is to seek, celebrate, and share the love of God to all, no exceptions. We believe that learning about and highlighting stories of hope is one place we can find God at work. And that's why in this episode, we're excited to talk to Nathan Leidner, who is a teacher at Canal Winchester High School in Ohio, and a screenwriter, director, and producer of the film, A Story for Winter. A Story for Winter is about a doctor who gets snowed in at a facility for children with developmental disabilities and somehow gets pulled into the dream of a nonverbal child where she can talk and run and play. But more than that, it's a story about living into our human potential to find hope, even amidst great sadness and forgiveness, even in response to grievous acts. So thank you, Nathan, for joining us today. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you. We are really excited to get to know you and just wanted to open by asking you to tell us about your daily life and, and how filmmaking became a part of it and, and a part of who you are. Filmmaking actually is an interest I, I gained early on. My sister went into television when I was in middle school or high school, and I wanted to follow in her footsteps. And so I went to vocational school to learn about radio and television broadcasting. But I soon learned that I was a little more interested in doing things that were different on a more regular basis, because in radio and TV, you tend to do the same types of things. And I like to change it up. And so during my junior and senior years, I did a film as my final project and then realized that film is really the direction I wanted to take. And so I started studying that at Ohio State University. Um, and in the middle of their program, they actually disbanded the film major. And so I had to decide whether or not to go somewhere else or to move on to another vocation. And at that time, I was also uh, gaining a great interest in France um, and actually the, um, wanted to uh, become a missionary to France and actually start a church there. So I changed my major to French, majored in that and graduated with my degree in French and uh, spent a number of years preparing uh, for the ministry. But then my uh, first daughter was born with cerebral palsy and the Cleveland Clinic advised us not to take her outside of the United States. And so I fell back on the French degree to start teaching, but I started doing film again, just on the side, just for the fun of it. Um, and it, it's, it wound up that I created a major project in 2002 that my school at the time had seen. And they said, hey, you should teach our children how to do this. And so I started teaching video production along with the French. And I've been doing that ever since. And um, so um, within recent history, um, I've tried to use my 
um, summer vacations to actually do a major film project uh, while I'm waiting for school to start again in the fall. And that's how this film got made. So I hear some stories of resilience built into that. It, it can be pretty traumatic, traumatic to find out that your major is being discontinued. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that led to some real beautiful synchronicities. And then you utilized the trauma of this global pandemic to make something beautiful. I Yes, I, I, I tell you, I actually came down with COVID in December of 2020. And it got me really thinking uh, about what time do, do we really have left in this world? And I'd had this desire to make this particular film for 12 years. And it's just one thing after another really kept delaying it. And um, after getting through the COVID, I decided, you know, let's do this. Let's, let's, you know, now's, now's the day to, to pick this up and start. And it just seemed like God just laid the groundwork for it every step of the way. And it just fell together uh, in a beautiful way. We're so glad you did. Thank you. Yes, thank you. And as Erica said, your movie, A Story for Winter, is a story about both the deepest sadness and finding hope within it, which is a message communicated through the main character, Owen, as played by Adam Scott. In what ways is Owen's story a reflection of you and your story? Owen's story actually is largely based on my experience with learning how to deal with children with uh, special needs. And my earliest uh, memory of being in a room with a child with special needs was in junior church. I believe I was probably five or six years old. And there was a girl who attended church with us who had cerebral palsy. And she had very noticeable um, physical mannerisms and everything that, uh, that that made me realize that she was different from the other children. And, and I asked my parents about her. And, and uh, so that was, and they taught me that there were children like that in this world. Um, and then it was, it's, it's kind of, you know, I, I would say um, really interest, intriguing to me that then my first child was born with the same condition. Um, she was less mobile and again, not as verbal as this child was. But it always felt like God had always kind of prepared my heart uh, for the things that I was going to experience in life. And uh, when you first learn that your child is going to have special needs, you mourn a lot of things on their behalf. You, you think of all the things children typically will get to do, and you realize what your child won't get to do. And, uh, and, and you mourn that for them. And uh, over time, though, I realized that Mia was sitting in her chair, she was laughing, having a great time. She was enjoying life to the, to, in the way that she could enjoy it. And uh, she had no problem with who she was. And I, she taught me a lot about uh, how to look at her and not just to, to merely pity her, but to realize that her life had value. Uh, she had a purpose for being in this world and she was perfectly okay with who she was. And that was a journey that I wanted to take the character of Owen on. Uh, because I believe a lot of people, when they see special needs children, and I believe it's natural to feel sorry for them and, and feel compassion for them. Uh, but then there's also a bit of a fear of approaching um, about, uh, am I going to say the wrong thing to the parent? Am I going to offend somebody? Uh, maybe I sh just shouldn't interact with them at all. And, uh, and I wanted him to, work, uh, him to work through those issues and learn to, to feel comfortable with children like this and to learn that uh, that their existence or, or, or their 
their physical limitations were not just this tragedy, but they were just people like anybody else with differing abilities um, who had value in this world and that he would learn that. We're hearing that your, one of your missions is to share with the world that our, our beauty, our worth goes far beyond our physical being and capabilities. Absolutely. I mean, I mean we, we are spiritual beings and, and I believe that, um, you know, honestly, I feel that one of the things, especially with uh, adolescents, uh, they deal with this a lot, you know, that, of what their appearance is or who, what they look like and things that they really can't change about themselves. And they put so much value on that, um, that it, you know, it can be very depressing um, and they and, and put them through a lot of turmoil. And what I, I've tried to like teach the students in my school is that their value is not really found in that, that other people aren't looking at them for their physical traits it doesn't matter nearly as much to them as how much do you care about them or you're showing kindness to them. And that's what means the most to people and who we are on the inside actually has so much more to say about who we are than the physical. And what I'm hearing from you as well is that there's an experience with these differently abled folks who enable us to experience life in, in new ways than we, we would without that perspective. Absolutely. And I, I believe, honestly, when you have spent time, have had the opportunity to, to be in the presence of children like this, uh, you learn that there's so much joy of, of working with them and dealing with them um, that you don't necessarily uh, feel uh, on, a, on a daily basis with, with your typical person, um, that they, they honestly have a very special purpose for being in this world. And uh, those who take the time to, to enter into their world and interact with them learn very beautiful and valuable lessons of, uh, of who we are as people and how, how, how valuable we all are. There are some really powerful lines in this script, which are wisdoms for all of us to live by. And one of my favorites was the line by the character Mama Cece, who was played by Cynthia Smith. And Mama Cece takes in children with disabilities. And, and so when she meets Owen, she says, there's more to medicine than healing the sick. And I'd love to just hear more from you about the inspiration for that line and, and its application in the world out, out of the context of the movie. There's, yeah, because in, in Owen's mind, again, he's, he's treating this child who he knows is terminal and that the life is going to end. And so again, he's looking only at the tragedy of that and, and at the end of it and not uh, the journey of getting there and how valuable that is. And, uh, and later on, Mama Cece also, there's another quote in there that I, I, I like to mention where she talks about how people who adopt pets uh, realize that, you know, like dog, the average life of a dog is maybe about 13 years and, and they, they don't, um, they don't think of that ahead of time and think, well, I don't want to have this pet because I'm only going to have this love for 13 years. The time is not as not as important as, as the, the idea of actually being able to experience that love. And a lot of uh, pet owners after their pets pass away will go out and 
adopt another one because they because that love is so precious to them that the time doesn't matter. And um, and again, I was trying to make that analogy with with children who maybe don't have a very long life expectancy, and uh, and to not look at the tragedy or just at the end of it. Um, and it's not their life isn't just a tragedy. That the, the beauty of every day that they have that you can walk with them is a wonderful thing. Um, and when we focus on that, then um, and it's not to take away from at the end of it, it, it. You know, it is sad. It's you know, it's difficult to go through the loss of of another person. Um, but uh, but having had a child who has passed away, um, I looking back on her life, I wouldn't have given up a day that I had with her just because I knew, you know, what was, if I had to do it all over again, I would do it all over again, knowing that that end was coming, because what we had during her life was wonderful. You're making me realize that, that in a sense, when someone is only focused on the future, it can actually decrease a sense of hope <laughs> because there is something about there's something really powerful about also focusing on the present that leads to hope absolutely hmm. absolutely well i mean we're all going to experience loss uh and and i i kind of say this in joking but it's the truth i'm one of five children and one of us gets to be the unlucky one that buries the other four um you know uh, nobody wants to think about that, but that's the reality of things. But of course, we don't sit around thinking about that our entire lives. We just enjoy the time we have, uh, because if we just focused on the end, today wouldn't be very fun, right? Um, but, and today's all we're promised. Uh, and so, you know, we just need to make the best of every day that we have and, and do everything we can in it. And in speaking of being in the present moment, I was wondering, where did hope show up for you during the making of the movie? It's intriguing. Um, I actually wrote the film in March of 2009 and my daughter passed away that July. We did not know that that was coming. And again, I felt that God was preparing me uh, to lose her at that point. Uh, it was just give me a, a chance to address her life and to look at it for what, you know, for the value that was there before I had to go through losing her. And um, somebody asked me before whether or not, when we were on set, if it was like um, cathartic to be making this film about this child, you know, who's terminal, like my daughter. Um, and I said, um, honestly, <laughs> because of the way we made it and how, how quickly, we only shot it in like 15 days. Um, I was so in the moment uh, at times that uh, I was thinking about the camera angles and was it in focus and, and were people doing what they needed to, that, um, I honestly missed some of what was happening on set. Um, and later on, when I sat down to edit the footage and I was watching what people had been doing on set or how they were reacting because they realized what this film meant to me and what the story was behind it. Um, I was so moved by uh, what, they were, what they had given me on camera that day, but I didn't see it until like a few weeks later <laughs> when I was editing. And at that point, I really feel like it was, um, I, I went through it again. I, I kind of went through the whole process of, of grieving my daughter a little bit uh, again there, but it, um, but it's a very, um, I, I like to say that, you know, that tears aren't necessarily a bad thing. You know, they, they're a cleansing thing. And, uh, and when you lose a child uh, or you lose anybody you really care about in this world, um, there's going, you, you don't ever really fully get over it, 
um, but you learn how to move on and in, into your new normal uh, daily. But every once in a while, it'll peak up. You know, it's going to come back to you, and you allow you allow it to be there. You allow yourself to, to mourn through it a little, again, and then you move on again. Um, and that's how you get through life. In experiencing loss, um, I've often found, or for myself, have found related to filmmaking is the loss of a person is, is somewhat like having that reel of film in your life of them having been there. Mm -hmm. And that's a constant reel. And you're aware of that, that reel of film in your life um, as you, like you said, continue on with, with your new normal. Right, and then your dreams will bring them back sometimes. There, there are times you have these dreams that are so real and you're back where you were and everything is normal and you wake up and realize, oh no, <laughs> that, was just a, that was just my film my, or my mind going through that film reel again. But, um, but that's precious though, you know, to be able to experience that again. You know, I, I wouldn't trade that for the world. Well, you know, when we invited you to this podcast, you shared with me that the movie is has a really deeply spiritual purpose for you. Um, I'd love to hear more about that. The yeah, there there is there were a lot of things that that I went through again that I wanted to convey about having had a special needs child, um, but there were other things that I had to go through because the, the, the way that my daughter passed away wasn't just through natural causes. She actually, there was a, a man that was taking care of her and he was actually training to be a, uh, para, para, um, a paramedic uh, with the fire department. So this is the type of person you would expect to run into like a burning building and save a life. And he actually wound up shaking her to death. And that's how she died. And so um, I had to go through the process of, of, of a murder trial, like within the next year after she passed away, he did get convicted. He did go away uh, for life. And there's, um, there's a story embedded in the film about Owen dealing with his past hurts and a mother that he um, had a very bad relationship with and the pain that that has left in his life. And he has to heal from that. And in early drafts of that script, um, you, you see him kind of combat her like, a, like an evil character in this story that he makes up. Um, and at the end of the film, you never hear from her again. It's just this person from his past. But uh, sometime after writing those early drafts, uh, the man who was in prison actually wanted to write me a letter to ask me to forgive him. And I had to think about that for a while. Um, and I told the victim services to go ahead and let him write me. I read what he had to say. And it was actually, it was a song by J.J. Heller, um, the Christian contemporary singer that was on the radio and, and um, that I heard like within about a month of that. And she, it's called, uh, Who Will Love Me For Me? And in the song, she talks about a man sitting in a prison cell who's regretting what he's done and he's calling out to God. And I, it just, I got this vision of him sitting in his jail cell and, and feeling bad about what he had done because he did. He asked me to forgive him. He did um, admit what he had done. And in my mind, you know, my daughter, you know, she had 10 year, good years on this life. Uh, she, was, she, she was limited. She's in heaven now. I, I believe that with all my heart. She's walking, she's talking. 
if we were to ask her to return to earth, she would not want to come back because she's now with her savior. And um, so that's no longer a tragedy in, in my mind, but the, it's only one tragedy left in this world. And that's that there's a man who's sitting in a prison cell somewhere who regrets what he did. And his, he separated from his family and those who love him. And at the point when I realized that I could feel sorry for him in that aspect, uh, I knew that I could forgive him uh, and, and move on because it doesn't really help you to, to hold on to anger like that. It just, that really only destroys your own spirit. And I knew that uh, forgiving him would also be a release to me. And so I did, I wrote him back, wrote a letter back to him and told him that I forgave him uh, and that he didn't have to really explain anything else anymore. That that was, you know, between him and God and that I hope that he, he, he drew closer to him through this experience. But after that, um, I realized that it was very important that we don't leave this character in this film as somebody in Owen's past that he had a bad relationship with and we never hear from her again. I wanted him to go back and show that he could forgive her. And that was largely due to the process that I had to work through with this man. That is a breathtakingly generous love story. I'm curious about the ways that granting, extending forgiveness did change you. I'm, I'm telling you, there's little things, that, you know, these little things that tend to just really hound us and bring down our day. Um, having to go through this major issue with him and work through that with him. It's like God now has this trump card that he kind of keeps in the back of my mind. And it's like, if I'm feeling really nasty about somebody, it's like, hey, you were able to forgive him for that. What's this? And it's just like, oh, okay, God. Okay. So it keeps me in check. And it makes me, and, and, and honestly, I'm so thankful that I have that to fall back on because Again, it's just so easy to let the little things in life just really bring you down or to, or to make you resentful towards somebody and to be able to freely just, just let it go, just let it go. It's very liberating. So what message of hope would you like to send into the world, perhaps even as you think of the premises for your next movie? What I like the world to tell the world is honestly is that there is hope. Um, I feel that there's so much media out there, films and TV shows that just really go to dark places. Um, it's become very popular. Even my my own favorite superhero, Superman. I grew up loving Superman, and of course he's known as like the Boy Scout superhero. But in recent history, they've made films about Superman that are even dark. I'm like, how can you make Superman dark? Um, I feel like we, we get overly inundated with this in this world, that it's so easy to just turn something on and, and see um, what, what do we call the, um, the dystopian sort of films and TV shows. And, uh, and honestly, it's like, if I live there, if I live there mentally, boy, how, how, why would you want to wake up in the morning and face the world if that's how you felt everything was? But, but Christ gives you hope, you know, even in the darkest times that there, there, there is hope and purpose for you past and you can get through these times uh, to, and find joy regardless 
of what you're living through. And so I wanna make sure that anything that I create, um, I felt very convicted about this because the first two films I did in high school were slasher films. <laughs> and um, I felt, little, once I got into college, I was feeling convicted about that. And, and, and it was like, God was showing me, there's enough of that. Um, let's, let's make sure that when people watch what you've made, that they have hope to move on in their life, regardless of what they're living through. And that's what we're hoping to do with the next one as well. Yeah, you certainly did that in, in the story for winter. And we look forward to, to the hope that you put out into the world next. Thank you. And in, in closing today, what are some special memories of Mia? And what's the legacy of her that you want us all to carry with us? Oh, there is, I, I tell you, my favorite memory of her of all time is uh, going down to Myrtle Beach and having her down there. And she and her brother and sister were together, all of us, and we were just having the, the time of our lives. And I have photographs of her just laughing her head off just enjoying the beach that day. Um, and that's just, that's embedded in my mind. That's one of those film reels that, that will never go away. Um, and just, again, just remembering how much she just enjoyed life from that wheelchair, not being able to say what she was feeling, but just showing it. And again, it, the spirit is so much more powerful a lot of times than, than any other aspect of our being, you know, what we could, what she could physically could not physically uh, articulate with her words she was doing in the spirit. And um, it was just wonderful. I'm, I'm never gonna forget the time that I've spent with her on earth. Um, and she, again, she's just taught me the value of life, the value of every day that we have here. And, uh, and I, I, I definitely wanna carry that message to other people and, and just help them to understand that there's so much to live for and whatever limitations that you feel that you have in this world, um, you still have a purpose and you can accomplish great things because from her wheelchair, she accomplished great things and touched so many lives. So how much more, you know, can we do that um, as we can talk and walk and, and go about in life? You know, there's so much that we can do, such an impact that we can make on this world. I love that Mia showed you how to live and you're now showing us through your films how to also live in the ways that she did. So thank you, Nathan, for spending your time with us and for sharing your story. We really appreciate your message of hope for our community. And to our hopeful community, thank you for listening. And we'll be back with another episode to inspire you soon. Thank you for listening to this segment of Hope Talks. I hope you join us again. And please encourage others to listen and check out other David's United Church of Christ programs at davidsucc.net. It is our hope that your day is filled with hope. Thank you.